0: Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be at First Baptist Parentland today. My family's here. You guys can stand real quick. Love my wife. Love of my life. Heather is here, and then we have seven kids, so uh, we took that whole be fruitful and multiply thing pretty serious. So that's my family, and like Pastor said, we're planning a church. It's called Renovation City Church, and I have to ask for your forgiveness beforehand because for six months i've been preaching to a camera so i'm kind of like the guy's been stuck in the basement for six months and if i speak too fast or go too fast it's because We've literally just been talking to a camera. We've been meeting online. And uh, I have a lot of church planning friends who've had successful church plants. And they all tell me, Nate, we do not envy you because uh, this is not a good time to plant a church, but God has been faithful, even in the midst of a crazy situation, a crazy time. And as we were getting ready to come to church today, my kids were like, dad, we'll wear a nice shirt, but can we wear shorts because we've been doing these Zoom calls. So, and I was like, no, no, you gotta actually wear, you can't wear your pajamas to church today. We're actually gonna to see people. And I know some of you could relate who are working from home. You know, you have your nice suit on, and then your pajamas under underneath. That's kind of the world we've been living in. So just a little bit of what's going on with us. But it's so great to be with you today, and I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to dive into what God has for us. Lord, thank you so much for this church. Just as pastor was sharing his heart, and just through our friendship, I just know that you're doing an awesome work here at First Baptist Pearland. And I pray today that you would take anything I say and just really just bring it into your word, and you would change lives today, God. I thank you so much for what you've done for us, and I just pray you would be with us today and as we go out this week. Amen. I'll never forget it. I was at my friend's house, and we were having a cookout. And it was a big cookout. We were having burgers. We were having hot dogs, chips. And, man, we were ready to eat. And his son comes around the corner, and he has mud all over his face, all over his hands. He was hungry, so he started eating mud. mud. And my friend just pulls him inside and says, hey— we got a feast going on here. You can have whatever you want. You just got to tell me you're hungry. And this picture, it happened many years ago, This story I'm telling you, but this picture is still in my mind today because I think as Christians so many times, God is offering us this great journey that we get to be a part of. And instead of journeying with God and, and doing what he has called us to do, we're, we're like my friend's son. We're eating mud pies And God's saying, I have such a privilege for you to be a part of today. C.S. Lewis said it great. He said it like this. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Listen to this last part. We are far too easily pleased. Isn't it such an honor to get to believe in Jesus, to get to follow Jesus? And in Matthew 9, 37, Jesus says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, it's such a privilege to believe in Jesus, but we also have this great responsibility that you and me get to be workers for Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? And I want you to ask yourself a question right now. How are we doing as God's workers? And then maybe make that question a little bit more personal and want you to ask yourself, how are you doing as God's worker? You see, we don't have to look very far. There were two men who wrote a book years ago and they asked this question because if we're God's workers, we don't need to ask, hey, how are you doing in worship on Sunday? that's, That's a good question. But no, my question today is, how are we doing with those we're trying to reach? If we are God's workers, how are we doing? And these two authors, as they did their research and they, they wrote this book, what they found out is we're not doing very well. Now, if you're like me, you, you probably want to get defensive. Like, no, we're doing great. I mean, we got Baptist hospitals. We got Methodist hospitals. We got great church buildings. We have all kinds of programs. I mean, no, we're doing awesome. And then what makes this even worse, where I want to even get more defensive, is we, look, we turn on Hollywood movies and we're always portrayed like crazy people, right? I mean, we're on the side of the road telling everyone they're going to hell and it's just not a good situation. And then you've got the, the Hollywood stories where it's like the preacher who's like stealing everybody's money and it doesn't look good. But here's what these authors found. Out of 50% of the people who said, man, we're not doing well, it came out of, they had a bad experience with other Christians. And I, and I love what this famous Christian band said. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Listen to this last statement. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. You see, today, at church, I am so excited about what God is doing at First Baptist Pearland, and I want to see this church be a church that literally changes the world. I want to see us hit the right targets, because I believe if the people of God will express who God really is to this world, people won't help but fall in love with him, If we could express who Jesus is in this world, people would be like, I have to fall in love with him. I loved Omar just sharing that story. It's like, when we share that with people and they see it, they're gonna wanna believe in Jesus. Just think about this for a second. God is love, right? That's one of the characteristics of who God is. And if we could show the world that God loves him, not because they've done a whole bunch of great things, but because he loves them even in their mess, how could you reject that? But God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still messy, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. God is justice, right? And right now, it's, it's a weird time in our country because there's all this social justice stuff, and it's like, am I gonna fight this social justice cause or this one? Well, here's the reality, is there's only one completely just person in the world, and it's the just God, the one we serve and if we could show the world how just God is and how perfect he is and how could you help but not fall in love with him God is enormous and I love this about God now we're in a church so I'm hoping that you guys have a great view of who God is I mean an enormous view But no matter if your view is enormous of who God is or if it's tiny, God is so much greater than anyone's view in here because he's the creator of the universe and he's enormous. And if we could show God, if we could show the world who this God is, how can they not help but fall in love with him? You see, today, God wants us to hit the targets that he has set for us. In 2004, there was an Olympic shooter. This guy's name was Matt Edmonds. He's one of the greatest shooters of all time, and he was about to win the gold medal 2004. All he had to do was hit the target. Everyone else in the competition was playing for second and third place, and Matt Edmonds lines it up. Now, this shot he had to hit, it was his last shot. It was a shot that some people in here could hit with ease. That's how high he was winning. He lines up his gun, gets his breathing right, pulls the trigger, bullseye. Gold medal, right? He hit the wrong target. Matt Edmonds didn't even get a medal that year because he hit the wrong target. Church today, I want us to hit right targets. You see, if God is known for grace, when we get something we don't deserve, but we're known for judgment, giving someone what they do deserve, we miss God's target. When God is known for unity and the church is known for divisiveness, we miss the target. When God is known for loving everybody, but we're known for just loving people according to if they look like us, if they believe the same way as us, if they have the same political party as us, we miss the target. And today, God wants us to get back on target. Church, are you ready to get on target with God? And as I sat down with David and Omar this week, what I love about this church is I know you guys are trying to hit the right targets. And as I know your story, and I've heard about it, I was at a First Baptist, Paris, Texas, 150 years old. I know that a church like this we have a good side and a bad side, right? We got a good history and a bad history. And what I know is, is, is sometimes an old church could do stuff just because we've always done it. Have you guys ever done that here? Man, why do you do that program? I don't know. We've always done it. I remember we had a bus ministry at our church, and it was a pretty good bus ministry. But I would ask them, what, what's our goal in this? Well, we've always done it, right? That's not all bad, but my point is, is God doesn't want us to do stuff just because we always have done it. But on the flip side, what I know about First Baptist Pearland is you have people who wanna serve God. And if we could hit the right targets, this church, I know a little bit about your history, you've shaken the gates of hell and tried to make an impact for the kingdom, and you could keep doing that if we will hit these right targets. God doesn't want our targets to be politics. He doesn't want our targets to be judgment. He doesn't want it to be divisiveness. What God wants us to do is he wants us to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we will look from him to him, he tells us what those targets are. Right now, our church, we have a core team and we're trying to make sure we start off by hitting the right targets. And we're actually going through something called the Red Letter Challenge. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the literal words of Jesus, and we're trying to listen to those words and then apply them to our lives. And today, I wanna show you, this isn't some high-level PhD work. This is what God wants all believers to do. He wants us to learn from him and then become more like him. I want to share a few scriptures here. The first one's in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. So I'll give you a second to turn there. Very popular scripture, and here's what it says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in, torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on the rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will all collapse with a mighty crash. Now, what is the difference between these two people? The difference is simple. One of them takes in God's word and applies it. The other one takes in God's word and rejects it. Now, I think a lot of times in America, we assume discipleship is head knowledge. Now, I kind of wish that was true, because I've done a lot of seminary, and I've spent a lot of money on trying to learn the Bible. And if that was the case, I would be brilliant just because I have had a lot of Bible knowledge. But Jesus is saying discipleship is not just Bible knowledge. That's part of it. Discipleship is loving God with all we have, our mind, soul, and strength. And the person who does not get destroyed hears God's word, and then puts it into action. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word and put it in to practice. Man, God wants us to love him with everything we got, our heart, our soul, and our mind. James 1, 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Church, we're about to look at five targets. And as you guys get ready to move in through this COVID times, I'm gonna be honest, COVID has been hard. Your pastor just shared with us about even this voice thing going on. I mean, just crazy stuff's happening right now, right? Like I can tell you stuff, it's just like, a couple weeks ago, I'm driving my car and it won't go past 20 miles an hour and I'm just like, usually I'd be really upset about that, but I was just like, COVID, right? I mean, it's just that year. I mean, it's just tough. COVID's tough, but here's the thing. The church has a chance to really use this for its favor, or we could just go through the motions. And I, I think that a time like this, a church that has a great leadership team, great people here, this could be a time where you guys could leverage this for kingdom impact like never before. And I just, I don't need to share Omar's story again, but just hearing the passion behind your leadership, man, these guys wanna lead you so that you guys could be a kingdom, church. So we're gonna look at five targets. And what I want you to do as we look at these five targets, I want you to take an honest assessment. How are you doing? Now, we gotta remember as we go through these targets, we're saved by grace. Like these targets do not say, you're a good Christian, you're a bad Christian. If you're a follower of Christ, God loves you, you cannot earn any more of that. But because we're Christ followers, he wants us to become more and more like Jesus. And I want you to ask yourself, What targets am I hitting? Maybe you're going to say, man, I'm hitting that one really good. Maybe you're going to be like, I've never even thought of that one. I want you to just kind of evaluate where you're at with these targets. And here's the first one. The first target is being with Jesus. Now, isn't this hard for all of us? Who in here likes to get your checklist at the beginning of the week and it's like a full sheet and you're like, I got to do, 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 do. Do we got anyone like that out here? You're like, man, I got to do a ton of stuff. And as a believer, if you know your Bible, yes, there's a lot of things we need to do. There's no doubt about that. But Jesus tells us this. Before we do, we're supposed to be. Mark 3, 14 says this. He appointed 12. Now listen to this. So that they would be with him. God wants us to be before we do. He goes, I want you to be with me. And then he sent him out to preach. Notice he didn't say, hey, go out and preach. He says, I want you to be with me. And God is calling us to hit this target, that we are with Jesus. I'm going to be very honest with you. I wish when COVID started, someone would have said, hey, for six months, it's going to be absolutely crazy. I, I had to learn this lesson <clears throat> again. Because you see, as a church planner, I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And now looking back six months later, God was trying to teach me, just be with me. I hate that because I want to be effective, right? I want to be successful. I want to do. And God is saying, be with me. He appointed 12 so that they would be with him. God wants us to always just pursue him and spend time with him. How are you doing with this right now? Now, there's probably a couple of you out here who love being more than doing. You know, you were like, when COVID hit, you were like, yes, I don't have to see a single person my, my wife's father is like this like he starts to call us like every day now i'm like dude he's loving this but most of us try to do before we are and god is saying don't forget this lesson we see with martha and mary right mary sat down and she wanted to be with jesus i want to ask you right now are you spending time with god Is it something where it's a checklist? Or are you like, I wanna just be with God. I wanna invest in this relationship because this target is something that God wants us to do our whole life. And see, what I found out is when I'm with God, that's when I don't have to do stuff, I get to do stuff for God because it comes out of that unity with Him. So that's the first target. I just want you to think, I'm gonna give you one second here just to think, how are you doing being with God? As you think through that, the second target from the red letters. In the red letters, just to be clear, if you have a Bible, in the New Testament, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those Gospels, a lot of Bibles will have Jesus's words in red letters. So when I say the red letters, that's what I'm referring to. And the first target we just talked about was being, but the second target is forgiving. Man, isn't that a powerful thing? And that's, that's the whole good news of the gospel in itself, right? That God has forgiven us. That we deserve to be separated from God. We deserved hell. And Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's still alive. And because of that, we can be forgiven. When I was 18 years old in a college dorm room and I asked Jesus into my life, I was completely forgiven, not because I had done anything right, but because I had accepted what Jesus had done on the cross for me. He took my sin to the cross and gave me his righteousness. And that's the good news of the gospel. But what I found is, it's hard to live as a forgiven person, right? I mean, it's it's too good to be true, even as a follower of Christ, but then we have to realize That as we walk, there are people that have hurt us. And I want you to just think through that for a second. Are there people in your life that you're holding on to grudges against, that you're not releasing them and forgiving them like God has forgiven you? Because that's part of this red letter, one of these targets we have to hit. We have to be a people who forgives. And then there's that reality that, you know, I don't think I wake up in the morning saying, I want to hurt people, but as sinful people we do that, right? Right? So not only do we have to forgive others, but we have to be willing to ask others forgiveness. Now, if you're a married person in here, you know that that is kind of a reality, right? Like maybe even if you think you're great, you've learned that you're not perfect. But this second target is so huge because we like to hold on to stuff, but God wants us to live in forgiveness. And he wants us to show the world that that's what Christianity is about. So we have being, And as you think about the second one on forgiveness, I wanna ask you, are you hitting that target right now? Are there some people in your life, even right now as we're thinking, you're like, man, I really need to forgive that person. Maybe it was even years ago, but how are you doing on this target? Are you living a life of forgiveness? And we see this in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. All right, what is the first target? Being. What is the second target? Forgiving. Awesome. The third target is serving. Man, God has created us to be servants. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, we all know this is followers of Christ that we're supposed to serve, but what's amazing about this is Serving is what God considers greatness in his kingdom. There's a story about two of the brothers coming up to Jesus and they're like, we wanna sit at your right hand. And Jesus is like, no, true greatness is serving. And as I talked to David this week, and I was thinking about this church, he was sharing about before COVID and how you guys were really trying to make some changes to really be more missional and really to be more servant oriented. And I was thinking about this Serving isn't just your pastor serving you. This is God's call for every Christian everywhere to serve. And what's amazing is, I don't know a lot of people in this church, but just looking around, I can only imagine the different ways God has gifted each and every one of you. And God wants you guys to use your gifts to serve his kingdom. I wanna say a few things about this thought. It starts right in your home. Are you serving your family? Husbands, are you serving your wife and your kids? Wives, are you serving your kids and your husband? It starts right there. And it goes into your workplaces and your neighborhoods Do people say, man, that, that guy says he's a Christian, but, man, he's kind of a jerk. Or do they say, man, he's a Christian. That, there's something different about that person. Man, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that person's belief, but they got something I like. Man, they're willing to serve. And then at this church, As you guys are going through COVID, man, I'm sure there's tons of opportunities right now to serve. And here's the amazing thing. We don't need to serve because there's some list to serve. We serve because God has first served us. And that's the beauty of this. And we wanna become like Jesus. And I've loved just the, the atmosphere in here. I just feel that this church has something special, like the Spirit of God is moving. And part of that is because you guys have served us this morning. Even though it's weird, you know, you can't really shake hands with people. People have come up to me and it's just been awesome to hear what God is doing in just a couple of your lives. But I wanna ask you right now, is serving, how are you doing in that target? We've had three targets so far. Let's go through them real quick. One, being, being, two, three, serving. The next one, and I just want to preface this by saying, David did not tell me to talk about this one, okay? Giving, and people get all crazy when you talk about giving, they're like, uh, I don't want to give you my money, right? <clears throat> giving is so much more than money. But it is part, part of it is money, and Jesus talks about money. And I just want to share a couple verses about this real quick, straight from what Jesus talked about. It's in Luke 21, verse three and four. And here's what it says. Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they all out of their surplus put into the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. See, we don't need to give because there's some fun for First Baptist Pearland. We don't need to give because, man, you know, if I don't give no one else will. We need to give because we are wired that way. If we want to be disciples, God doesn't need us to give for him. We need to give for us. Because if you're like me, we like to hold on to stuff. And it's not just our finances. It isn't our finances, but it's our lives. I love this story. There was a story of a pastor, and they're giving their invitation at the end. And at the end, and what they did at this church is they put their offering plates at the front of there, So people could come up there and they would, they would give their money as a sign that, man, we want to give to God. This is our offering to God. And there was this young man, didn't have any money. He was like 10 years old. And he came up to the offering plate and he sat in it. And he was saying, I don't want to just give my money. I want to give God my life because God is so much more concerned about our hearts. He doesn't need our money. You know, during this time of playing at church, we've had some people, we, we, we've had people sponsor us. We've had people who lost jobs. And through that time, you know, someone felt bad. They're like, we can't give right now. I was like, dude, you don't need to worry about giving. You need to worry about your family. See, God's not worried about the money. He's worried about this right here. And I think about that kid and this, this widow. She gave not because she had money, she gave because she gave Jesus her heart. And God wants us to be a giving people. And I wanna ask a couple questions on that right now. You know, one of the things that I've seen with churches is a lot of times people feel guilty, like I'm not giving. Well, the first thing is, maybe you need to get healthy with your resources and your time. Maybe you can't give because you're too overextended. And I know this church has resources to get you to a place where you could be a giver, because it's not about giving to the church, it's about giving your life to God. And this church wants to help you get in that spot. And second, and you know, are you giving to God? Because I can tell you where your priorities are if you show me your schedule and your pocketbook. Man, are you entrusting God with your life in that way? So we've seen four targets. We got one more, but let's go through them one more time because I wanna make sure we're, we're hearing these targets. What's the first one? Second one. Third one. Fourth one. Awesome. And we got one more, and the last one is going. You see, I love the story Omar shared. And I can just tell, me and David met about a year ago, and I knew there was something special here, and then we met with Omar, and I could just tell something was special about this group. Because you see, a church like yours that has people who are bought in, you have resources, if you will hit these targets, this town is gonna be changed. It's not a matter of when, it's not a matter of if, it's about when this town will be changed. And I just loved hearing the story, and the passion of just wanting to see people come to Christ. But this last target is going. And it's interesting in the Gospels, the the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in each of them, Jesus ends with a similar admonishment. Therefore, go and make disciples. And what does this mean? Jesus is saying, it's not about one person, your pastor and his family making disciples. No, this is every Christian's call that as you go, make disciples, and this starts first and foremost in your home. Man, are you investing in your kid's spiritual life? Are you leading them spiritually? Are you leading in your neighborhood? It starts where, as you go, if you're coaching a softball team, are you going, as you go, are you making disciples? And then it starts, it it ends with the church. Man, that's why we do this. The three great commands in scripture, love God, love others, and make disciples. John, so as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. God wants us to live on mission with him. That is the great call of the Christian. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A ragtag group of 70 people changed the world because they took this serious. They said, we're not just going to be Christians who come and worship. As we go, we're going to make disciples. So I want to ask you a couple questions on this going target. How are you doing? And see, before you go, you have to grow as a disciple, right? You have to start growing in your relationship with Christ. But how are you doing and going? Are there people in your neighborhood at your work that you're like, man, I'm praying for those people. Man, I want those people to come to know Jesus right now. See, it doesn't start with rocket science. It starts with really small steps. It starts with prayer. And then I loved what Omar said. Man, I'm going to ask God for people I could impact. Are there people in your life right now where you're saying, man, I can impact that person. God, I want you to give me opportunities to express you to those around me. It's that simple. Okay, let's go through those five real quick. Being, forgiving, serving, giving, going. Now I want you to turn next to your neighbor really quick. Tell them which one you're strongest in and which one you're weakest in. I'm just gonna give you a second here. Okay, and one last question to ask, and we'll make this quick, is what's one step you could do this week to be more on, on target? One specific thing you wanna do this week so you could hit the target better? church, going back to the beginning, I don't want to be like my friend's son who had great intentions but was eating mud pies. Man, I want to eat at the feast, and I want to invite others into that, and I want this church to do the same. I want you guys to feast, and we, we looked at some specific ways we could do that. And you shared some specific ways with your neighbors that you could do this, but here's the last exhortation I want to give you today is we are in an unprecedented time. I want you guys to be excited about where this church is going and being willing to get out of your comfort zone to be this kind of church that hits this target. As I was talking to David, he was telling me about all these different ideas and what God's been doing through COVID. And what's been so beautiful about hearing about your stories, I know you guys are already headed that way, but I wanna ask you, be willing to dive in with two feet, because these five targets aren't something I'm making up. These are things that Jesus wants us to be about. And I am convinced if we will hit these targets, this will be not just a Pearland-changing church, it will be a world-changing church. As I'm closing in prayer, if God's putting a response on your heart, this altar is open. If you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I've never been forgiven by God, that is the heartbeat of the good news of Christ. Or if you're feeling like God's calling you to go somewhere or give or whatever it is, this altar is open. Lord, thank you so much that we are saved by grace, God. There's nothing we could do to earn it. And Lord, I pray that even myself and everyone in here would just come to a place where we just realize that we need your grace to be saved, but we need your grace every day, God. And Lord, that this opportunity to share you with the world, is, it's such a great privilege that I pray you'd give us grace to do it well, God. And Lord, I pray that First Baptist Pearland would be a church that doesn't hit the wrong targets, but we hit the right targets to bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.